I've been trying to find out by talking to you is like, how do you overcome and recover from all the things that you've lost? And how do you feel that you've like almost found a new home again um, in a new country? You know, when you say you find a new home and new country, that time when you come to you as you think that way, I'm thinking that way. I feel like, wow, when I find my foster parent, right? I feel like I find a new home, right? New family. And then whatever they do to me, and then I lost that again, right? And and I lost that at, lost at that time again. I almost gave up. Remember I told you I almost gave up. I knew what my mom had gone through. And at the same time, I didn't. I knew that she had lost everything, that she survived four years under the Khmer Rouge regime, one that killed nearly two million, and that she was forced from her home and separated from her family, all of whom died. I couldn't make sense of the story she told. She spoke of violence and grief beyond anything I could relate to in my life. How had she survived those experiences? What did it mean to put her past behind her? What did it mean for me to grow up in the shadow of her past? For me, it's after, after the company might said it because the loss. You have a better life, you have food and you have a place to stay. You settle down, you have a, a time to think about that. And when your mom settle down, you think, and everybody keep meeting her there. Oh, I find my father. Oh, I might find my brother. Oh, I find my sister. Everybody looking for their family. You looking for the love that you lost. You don't have that love. When my mom escaped the Khmer Rouge, she had nothing. She's ethnically Chinese, but she was adopted by another Cambodian family in the refugee camps. She lost her first language and her Chinese name. So she made it to the U.S. completely unrooted. Having lost her family, her home, her language, and even her name, she only had her memories to haunt her. Because I'm Chinese, I just learned how to learn speak Khmer. I get make fun of at home. I get make fun of at school. In Cambodia, she'd been bullied at home for being Chinese. But at the end of the day, she could return home to her Chinese family and be safe. In the U.S. though, her Cambodian foster family made fun of her attempts to speak their language, Khmer. So she wasn't safe at home either. When I opened my mouth, because I still held the accent of the... Uh, what you call like Cambod- uh, Chinese accent, yeah. and people make fun of me. Yeah. And I feel like, no, I should not say anything. I don't talk. She was still adjusting to life with her new foster family. Out of eight children, she was the only one they asked to cook and clean. If she complained, her foster parents sided with their biological children. Every time I open my mouth, I fight for my rights. And they blame me, and they try to explain my point, And they get beat worse. And then I, I learned for myself, okay, silent is much better. 
So home for her became another place she couldn't speak freely. People meet me, they say, Oh, Nikki, you never talk. You're so quiet. And inside me, I say, Nothing to talk, right? I just keep in myself. During the day, she was silent. But at night, in her dreams, she'd confess her pain and her frustrations to her sister. I always dream about her, no matter what. Even I'm so sad and have that nightmare, I see everybody die. I always dream about she's alive. She never died, my second older sister. She always come to comfort me and always tell me like, don't worry, everything will be fine. You can do it. I always be there beside you. And I get out and cry, cry so much. And realize that, oh, that's a dream. See, not even a lie. family is in our kitchen, per usual. There's me, my brother, my three cousins, my two younger nieces, my grandmother, my dad, and my mom, who's cooking. Every holiday season, we host a get-together for Cambodian families in the neighborhood. My mom gets mad because my dad invites more guests than he should, but she never says no, and the kids, her assistants, await her instructions. We spend the morning cleaning, wrapping spring rolls, and stir-frying rice. When the guests arrive, they bring their own dishes, like papaya salad or fried chicken. You can barely see the table beneath all the food. My dad and his friends retreat to our basement for karaoke and a jam session. And my mom is the first to start dancing. My mom tells me that she misses her dead family the most during the holidays. Her entire extended family, 27 people, had lived under one roof. And like the holiday parties we share with our friends today, her family would put together big events each year. As she grew up, however, the U.S. bombings and the war began to disrupt her life. When the Khmer Rouge captured Phnom Penh, they forced my mother and her family out of the capital, separating them into distinct labor camps. For four years, she worked all day with little food. The worst part was the loneliness and hearing news about her family members dying, one at a time. Her aunt visited once. She had watched her sister starve to death at the feet of two Khmer Rouge soldiers. At that time, in the communists, if you don't have food, when people cook rice at that time, they pour out the Cambodian people just pour out the juice because they put too much water. They have to pour it out. And my mom asked them, "Can I help get the right water that you pour out? Can I help drink it?" Right? And they pour on the floor, floor on the ground, and tell my mom to lead it.
Years later, after she had settled in the U.S., she struggled to process this pain. She couldn't confide in anyone. So she dealt with her pain alone and became severely depressed. That up to the point your repression come to the darkness and until the darkness, the one to get away from everything, the only solution yourself, you say, what for? Why you live the life for? Your entire family is die. I cannot hear the voice of my parents to tell me, say, Nikki, you do this wrong, you Nikki, you do that wrong. I miss that. And that's why that moment, that moment you feel like you give up your life, you kind okay, that's it. Until I'm going my second year in community college, I meet Mike. Mike is my partner in uh, physics, right? And I'm the kind of person I like to get things done, and Mike doesn't want to get things done. My mom was in school to avoid a marriage that her foster family had arranged. She was calling to track down her physics partner, Mike. I said, Miss McCreven, is Mike home? He said, no, what who are you? I said, oh, I'm Nikki. I'm my uh, partner, my support to do project with me. We should, we should meet, and he never show up. And I said, oh, my God, you can get him. I give you a phone number, and I, I call my. And from that time, I get to know my mom, and my mom the one that support me. Miss McGruvin had my mom over for dinner as much as she could, hoping her work ethic would rub off on Mike. And she talked to me, said, oh, my God, Nikki, you are so good. You make my kid learn. And Mike hates school. Now you make Mike into school. And in Miss McGruvin, my mom had someone she could finally talk to. If you help someone to share your story, you help someone to talk to, you get better, you feel better. And that, that time I feel alive again. With Miss McGruvin's help, she was accepted to Rutgers after community college. It's, it's kind of very scary, too, but it's also it's my escape point from the family. She didn't have to clean or cook for them anymore. And if they really needed her, they'd have to drive for three hours. At Rutgers, she met her three roommates, who had become lifelong friends. I don't think I can survive to graduate from that school, because it's so hard, right? But because it's, I have Dana, I have Miho, I have Terry. I have problem. I can talk to them. Now I have three friends to share my pain. After her foster parents secretly spent her college savings, she started keeping her earnings for herself. Her friends chipped in to help pay for semesters when she didn't have enough. Finally, she refused to go along with the arranged marriage. And the more I learned that they not respect me, they kind of use me. And I said, no, my life is important. If I'm married with the wrong guy, I'm go to the sinkhole again. That's my moment. Make sure my future is very important for me. I have to be speak up for myself. I'm not trust them anymore. At that time, I can, I'm not trust them anymore. It was at this point in my mom's life that she met my dad. He was studying to be a pharmacist in Boston, and a mutual friend gave my mom his number. And I asked her a lot of questions like, where you live, and how many family you have, how many brothers and sisters you have, and what you go to school, and what you're doing right now. She found out that my dad had majored in English. 
I heard the English said, oh, I need someone to write my paper. <laughs> That's in my mind. After talking over the phone for a few weeks, they decided to meet in person. They picked a library in Boston. Because at that time, you cannot, not like you take, you see the picture, right? We don't know yeah. what it looked like. I still remember. <laughs> he come out with the, the, the okay. <laughs> don't tell him that. And then I said, oh my God, this guy is very nerdy. <laughs> and, and then suddenly I told him, he said, for me, it's, I know that how much cost was the bouquet, right? Mm-hmm. I said, I just tell him right away, next time, please don't buy me a bouquet. It costs a lot of money. This money, I can have lunch for one day or two days, pay for my lunch. I said, okay. <laughs> and I can and I can okay, thank you anyway. And that was the beginning of their relationship. They'd meet halfway in between Boston and New Jersey to work on her essays. Within a year, they decided to marry. How did you fall in love with Ban? How did that um... I don't know how I fall in love because I feel like not really tell you to you know like people fall in love first. For me, I have to find if this guy is secure enough for me, can 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 this guy help me through life? Can can this guy help me to build a family? So right? do, you, do you mean like but just money or resources or not like... not money? Oh, if you marry but if people looking for money, no, he's not the guy you 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 look for money. He's he's he doesn't have anything, but he has no knowledge and know that he have good knowledge. He's have intense good. The afternoon of their wedding day, my mom was at her foster family's house, getting ready. Hundreds of people were planning to come. My dad and his family were going to arrive in two hours. My mom was in the kitchen, frantically making food. Her foster family had promised to hire a cook, but when she arrived that morning, they hadn't. They claimed they'd forgotten. So now she was stuck doing it on her own. A few of the guests and the stylists arrived. And then they asked the guys, where is the pride? Where is it? The guest pulled my mom from her cooking and told her to focus on getting herself ready. I sit at the chair and people do my hair and the guests come behind me. I tell myself, Nikki, you're not supposed to cry. You, you know, you're supposed to be worried how to be strong if you are dead. It will make through, you know, today and tomorrow. I ask myself, I can do this. And then they come to my, my, my back and said, don't worry, we take care of everything. And the guests just go in the kitchen and start to cook, just help me through from that. Yeah, and start to cry. Despite the last minute sabotage, things went okay. The wedding happened. A huge cleanup faced my mom and dad the morning after. You know that we don't have honeymoon. You have to clean up the whole house when you get up in the morning. All this big pot back and that. You know, Nikki, we go to have honeymoon. I said, where are we going? Just get out of here. Whatever you have, pack and never come back. I kind of, oh my God, I start my own life. Before you have to, right? Because you belong, like, part of my life belong with them. Every time you come, you call your family, you have to come. It's no pay to escape, right? Now have someone to take me away. I begin near my family. I can escape. I can do what you know what I want with my new life. 
Hold on, I show you a picture. I don't know where the rest of the good picture, but I just show. You see? You see how I wear the... Can you see what it's... Near the end of our last interview session, my mom brings out an album of wedding photos. She points to them while she tells me the stories. And you see my Dan is so bad. Bad for that. Okay, I'm lit. And what look chung my... Right? See? See, see like how always I'm going like this to him? Right? He just yeah. lift me up. Right? I said, don't lift me up. Put in the... No, no. You don't know how to like, follow me. I go like this. I saw Pa, a good dancer. It turned out, mm-hmm, Pa doesn't know how to dance. Yeah, yeah, you should have known that. Pa doesn't know how to dance. And he come up, he sing the song for us to do a slow dance, special for the friend. What and song? Yeah. Oh, my love. Uh, Marini song. The, the, the movie called Go. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. love, my darling. Da, 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 da. You, you know that song? Yeah, 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 so that was your slow dancing song? Yeah, that's my song. Yeah. He sing that. Yeah. As I've learned more about my mom's past, I've wondered how the shadow of this heritage has bled into my life without me realizing it. But I've grown up immersed in these memories. In our hour-long commute to school, I heard the story of how her mother starved to death and the story about surviving a bombshell that tore through the friend beside her. Though she had shared these memories many times, every time she began again, I'd watch her tear up, her voice break. As I sat with these thoughts, I was struck by a realization. In crafting my mom's life story, I'd been so focused on how I would portray her pain, her losses. And then it struck me. Her sister was my aunt. Her mother was my grandmother. They were my family too. Of all the times I'd heard these stories, I'd never made this connection. Was it because I wanted to distance myself from that pain, to keep that suffering buried in a country far away? Was it because I was afraid to acknowledge that my mom's suffering was in some ways mine too? But my subconscious, like at nighttime, I'm very angry. Why the Pope can't tie my family? And people kind of, like, oh, I'm tired, I'm cold, it's raining, no food, and then whop, whop them. Every time people come, they say, oh, Nikki, your sister passed away. Oh, Nikki, your brother passed away. Oh, Nikki, your mom passed away. That's all the new I hear. I dream about, I, I pull the, I held the gun, they come, I shoot them. But my gun is come out, water. And I get, I get, why? I need to kill him, why it doesn't come out or come out flower. Mm-hmm. 